0: NFL Junkie, the official NFL podcast of USA Today Sports. I'm Chris D'Amico, the NFL editor at USA Today, and I'm joined once again by Tom Palacero, national NFL writer at USA Today. We now have week 12 in the books. A pretty good weekend. Uh, Some very good games. uh, Good finishes. What were your impressions, Tom? We're going to be all over the board today, baby. (laughs)
1: Uh, I mean, I think that this was definitely a Sunday where you saw some separation within the league. I think that you saw a bunch of teams that sort of been teetering on the brink between whether it's the Arizona Cardinals or the Cincinnati Bengals. um you know, the Rams even if if you considered them to be a team that would compete, the Carolina Panthers, all those teams now are buried, you know, two and a half, three games back with five to go, where you need so much help to get in that you know the attention starts to turn to A, what went wrong and B, what do you do about it to prevent it from happening next year you know there's still still a lot of football to be played but you know if you just kind of roll through the standings right now there's it seems pretty clear there's not a whole lot of teams even above 500 right now and you can start to see some of the playoff pictures crystallize
0: yep and one of the teams that have come back are the tampa bay buccaneers i personally left them for dead two weeks ago uh and then they uh beat kansas city and now beat seattle and all of a sudden they're six and five and only a game out of the south
1: I was, I mean, I was firmly baffled by the fact that a defense that ranked, I think, like 25th in the league in yards allowed, just clamped down on the Seahawks to the extent that they did. Now, Seattle has had offensive line issues in terms of injuries. They had some more. They had a young center starting uh, in place of their normal center Justin Britt, who missed the game. They just lost CJ Pro Sites, so I think they're still sort of figuring out exactly how they're going to have that complementary piece in the offense. But this, is, this has been one of the things for the people who doubt the Seahawks and don't want to put them in the same category as other teams. It's always about the fact that their offense just sort of comes and goes, um, especially now in the, in the post-Marshawn Lynch era, where you don't even know, are they going to be a pounded sort of team, or are they going to try to chuck it around a bunch? They definitely want to run the football. Thomas Rawls had missed some time during the week in practice. He did not look particularly good in that game. Uh, But they'll be fine. I mean, I say this about about the Seahawks all the time. We'll panic. They just play a few of these games every year where they score basically no points. and They can't move the football. And then they come back the next week, and they're usually fine. I think we're going to see the same thing with them moving forward. But credit to the Buccaneers for being able to stand up defensively. And then I think offensively, you've seen is sort of a shift with where they're at. Doug Martin comes back. That's big for them, just to be able to get more balance into the offense. You know, they had a game earlier this year that they won by handing the ball to Jackwiz Rogers thirty times. You swap him out for a healthy Doug Martin. That's a pretty big upgrade. Mike Evans is playing really well. You know, a tough receiver, just you know, he'll take hits. I think back to the one he put from Keanu Neal from the Falcons a few weeks ago. You know, he got he got beat around a little bit by Seattle in that game, but just keeps on finding ways to catch the football. And then Jameis Winston continues to develop. You know, I know that Marcus Mariota has played really well down there in Tennessee, and people have been impressed. I've always said, and I'll maintain that, that I would have taken Jameis Winston over Marcus Mariota just because of the way that Winston can control the game. Now, you know, we can debate the upside between the two, but I still think that Winston, and the way he's going right now, you know, does he throw the most accurate ball Maybe not all the time, you know. It'll come and go a little bit on him, but you know he does so much in terms of at the line of scrimmage and getting them in the right place and giving that offense a chance to succeed. Uh, I think he's been pretty impressive.
0: All right, so you led me right into. I was going to ask you about the two quarterbacks. They've kind of been overshadowed, um, especially early in the year, by the rookie quarterbacks, and there, you know, wasn't much talk about Jameis and Marcus, but they really have come on nicely. And now, and and do seem like they were worth the first two picks last season, don't they?
1: Well, with Mariota, I think the big thing with him has been the fact that he now has a running game with him. You know, you look at the way that they want to play football under Mike Malarkey, and you make a trade which will probably go down as the greatest bargain of, of the trade season in the NFL, getting DeMarco Murray for a flip of third-day draft picks. Uh, he's been unbelievable for them. they got the young kid, Henry. They've invested a lot in that offensive line. They they want to be a mean, grinded sort of football team, which is that much better when you've got a young quarterback who is, is, who is a run threat for one thing, but also can, can connect in the, the action-passing game, does a lot of things in the short-to-intermediate area, You know, can run uh, you know some of the, the play action and the bootlegs and things like that. Mar- Mariota has shown that you know, he can he can function pretty well in that. He's not playing a straight drop-back sort of a passing scheme. I think he's in a really good situation, taking nothing away from the guy. Uh, and with Winston, I, I think it's just a matter of the growth. When you when you not just play the most difficult position in all of sports, but play it the way Winston does and have as much on your plate as he does, uh, it's just going to take some time to grow into the role. Now, I likened it last year, not to compare the two, but Peyton Manning threw a ton of picks. If you remember back his first season in the NFL, he got a lot better in his second season. I thought Winston was going to have that same sort of volume of turnovers, and he didn't, which was the best sign out of uh, Jameis Winston's rookie season. Uh, then into year two, he's continued to be you know, not error-free, but he's limited his mistakes, uh, and he's making more plays at a receiving group that... Now, if you were looking at how this group was setting up, even going into last season, you would say, boy, they got all those towers with not just Mike Evans, but Vincent Jackson and Austin Sferry and Jenkins. Well, Sverry and Jenkins got a DUI arrest and got cut. Vincent Jackson, you know, busted up his knee and he's out. It's basically Mike Evans, and then you kind of got some guys out there, but Winston's finding ways to, to utilize them, and, and they're playing pretty well.
0: Uh, indeed they are, and uh, they'll be playing some meaningful December football, which uh, we haven't seen for a while in Tampa Bay. Sunday night, uh, we get a great AFC West game, well, good, a very good AFC West game. <laughs> um, two questions out of that for you. How are you with Gary Kubiak's decision to try a 62-yard field goal that ultimately led to them losing?
1: Well, I, I would say to that question, I, I I had to process it a little bit. They just they got stuck in no man's land. You know, they, it was a, it was a bad p- play sequence. And I'm not questioning the play calling, but how you leave yourself in fourth and ten. If you even get yourself five more yards, you at least have more options, right? You can go for it on fourth and five, or you can try a 57 yard field goal. Instead, you're not going to go for it on fourth and ten at midfield, so you. Take the best shot that you've got. Uh, let McManus try to kick a 62-yarder at altitude. You know, punting the ball away with a minute to go in overtime and just playing for the tie. It would be different if the Broncos were in control of the division. I think if the Broncos have a one-game lead or even tied at the top with the Chiefs, you might say, yeah, punt it away and play for the tie and live to fight another day. But the Raiders right now are are starting to pull away here. I think you got to take your shot to get as many wins as you can because it might might take 12 or 13, even 14 victories uh, if if the Raiders can get that high to be able to to get out of that division.
0: One last thing on the Broncos. Uh, Look, it was a great defensive game. The whole game, but coming down the stretch, there, uh, Kansas City scores the last three times they have the ball. Broncos defense carried
1: them last season.
0: Cause for concern there. Against with the, the Broncos' defense
1: against the run, I would say yes. They're still dominant against the pass. They've got as good a pass rusher uh, as anybody in Von Miller. They've got as good of a three-deep corner as anybody in the league, especially now with the keep to lead back because you know, the way that he has played through this season, he's probably been the best of that bunch. But yeah, you, know, you take away Malik Jackson and you take away Danny Trevathan, and you're hoping that some younger players can be able to to get down in the front seven against the run. And you look at the numbers right now. I think the Broncos are now 27th against the run, 21st in, in rush yards per attempt. Those are those are concerning numbers because if you can't stop the run in the NFL, what happens? You end up instead of in third and medium to long, you end up in third and short to medium. That limits the number of times that you can uh, that you're going to get good pass rushing opportunities. It limits Some of the things in terms of your blitz packages, it just has a trickle-down effect, and it puts that much more on the offense's shoulders. I thought Trevor Simeon played the best game of his career uh, against the Chiefs the other night. He made three huge throws, almost made a fourth if Benny Fowler can hold on to it. Uh, I thought that he was really good in that game. That was as close as we've come. To seeing the Broncos' offense maybe start to figure out what it is they're intending to be uh, without C.J. Anderson, which I think has been a big question because they've lost that guy who can get the tough yards. Uh, they didn't pound it between the tackles a whole lot with Devontae Booker. They put more on the quarterback's shoulders. Uh, Simeon delivered him twenty-seven points, and if they turned out, they needed thirty. Uh,
0: Vikings and the Cowboys on Thursday night. I don't want to say the last gasp for the Vikings. They're only a game back in the NFC North, but and the rest the of their
1: division is not great. Or the rest of their right. me, not just the division, but the rest of the schedule for the Vikings. They got Jacksonville the following week they end against the Bears, they get the Colts at home, and they play at Green Bay on Christmas Eve. So you can see a scenario where they lose to the Cowboys and still rattle off four wins in a row and get the 10-6 and and slip into the playoffs, but talking to some of the guys over in the locker room about that yesterday, it's very clear, they know. You beat Dallas, that can be a, a pretty big momentum shift in your season at a time that you're playing a third game in 12 days here. Guys are exhausted. You're sort of teetering on the brink of really having, uh, to borrow a Mike McCarthy phrase, your ass against the wall. Uh, it worked out well for the Packers against the the Philadelphia Eagles. I thought that was as as good of a game as the Packers have played the entire season. The offense, you know, that was that was the angry Andrew, Aaron Rodgers that nobody wants to see. He came off. Came out looking a little bit ticked off. He was firing the ball into tight windows. He was fired up on the field. Uh, they, they still can't run the ball worth a damn, but they're you know when they pass like that, they're uh, they're an awfully tough team to stop. And and I thought that the matchups going into that game really tilted in their favor because of all teams, the Eagles' strength is in the front seven which is going to show up the most in the pass rush, but also in being able to stop the run. And the Packers were barely even going to bother running the football. They're going to stand back there, pick apart the secondary, and the Eagles lack a receiver group that's going to threaten the biggest weakness on the Packers roster, which is that secondary.
0: Uh, That they do. Um, All right. Well, there are many that say that football begins on Thanksgiving. And uh, geez, it might be right to show. I saw a great – I'll leave you with this thought, and you can leave me – you can tell me how you feel um a great tweet over the weekend said it was like the NFL teams just all decided to stink until the election was over um have you the, the quality of football does seem to have gotten better
1: i don't think it, yeah, uh, but i don't think it's the quality of football i think it's the quality of matchups they've happened to have some you know some awfully good games that have landed in in some of the primetime slots i mean yeah if you go back i mean, remember week one was pretty Pretty exciting, and the ratings weren't all that great for it for whatever reason. Uh, I think that it's just that they, you know, they've gotten some some really good games that have ended up on national television. That's always going to sort of color the perception. They got another good one, I think, on Thursday night with the Cowboys at the Vikings, and we'll see how you're feeling about the quality of play one week from now, Chris, after watching Colts at Jets on Monday Night Football.
0: <laughs> That's true. <laughs> okay, all right, we're going to leave it at that. A good taste in our mouth. All right, well, we thank Tom for stopping by yet again. As always, you can follow him in USA Today and at usatoday.com, and we will chat with you next week.